0: OutdoorEdge.com
1: This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Get that
0: burner. Get
1: that there. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. Look at
2: your coat of golf Justin We're going to get
1: him. We're going to get him. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Uniting Houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're gonna catch a cat or a lion, you know you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week can you spend
0: As much as I can, to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm I'm out there. Join
1: us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP.
3: I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm going to hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here.
1: Welcome to the July edition of Point Blank on the Houndsman XP podcast. We got a full crew in here, minus Heath. Heath is on family vacation. He didn't put in a vacation request, so he might be fired when he gets back. But anyway, Point Blank is where we go a little bit deeper into some of the past episodes. We discuss some topics that might have been missed, and it's just a general mosh pit of entertainment for you. We just talk dogs, and this one's got everything. Chad Reynolds is in the house. We get sidetracked. funny to say sidetracked on a hound hunting podcast. We get sidetracked on some training issues and some training advice from the one and only chad reynolds seth is in the house he adds entertainment all the time but we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff so bryce chad and seth join me for this point blank and this is a part of the pre-roll where i'm asking you for something i'm asking you to support this podcast and you can do that by shopping at our sponsors you can go over to houndsmanxp.com check out all of our sponsors you can also find cool merchandise there you can find out how to get more involved with patreon and all the awesome bonus content that seth drops there every week it's like having many podcasts over at patreon besides that we're going to put your name in the hat every month for a drawing that's worth at least 100 bucks and a semi-annual drawing and an annual drawing i mean we got all kinds of stuff going on over there and it's all for you to say thank you for supporting us and supporting this show check out dogs are treed right now it's hot and i just couldn't make it without dogs are hydrated stage one stage two you got to use them both it's easy to use once you get your dogs used to a routine and that's what being a houndsman and a superior dog trainer is all about is developing that routine with your hounds with your dogs Super easy stuff to use. You mix it up. You pour it in a bowl. They drink it before they exercise, and then you do the recovery step afterwards. It adds calories, carbohydrates. It's all there, folks, and dogs are hydrated. And also, I would not have been able to make it through that brutal northern New Mexico environment without paws are protected. I had dogs' feet that were just chewed up, ate up, and Paws are protected, kept them on their feet, kept them rolling every day. So check out Dogs Are Hydrated and Paws Are Protected over at HoundsmanXP.com. In this episode, you're also going to hear more in-depth detail about Seth's adventure to British Columbia, which was made possible by Freedom Hunters. Freedom Hunters takes America's heroes, our veterans, on outdoor adventures and houndsman xp has been coordinating those hound adventures for freedom hunters since the beginning guys you owe it i'm just gonna call it like it is you owe it to our veterans to pay it back and this is an easy way you love to hunt we got a whole database full of veterans that love to hunt and all you got to do is reach out to me and i will get you set up with a veteran to take along on your next hunting adventure. Introduce them to hound running. I'm telling you, veterans are warriors. We need them in our corner, and we need to pay it back to them, so it's just the right thing to do. Check out Freedom Hunters at freedomhunters.org or go to our website. All the information is right there. Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box.
3: Chris, our levels sound good? Sounds good.
2: Test, test, right.
1: test, 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 test.
3: Oh, he's Chad. You sound dreamy as always. Chad's dreamy, he's a dreamy.
1: He is. Wait a second, I've got bear hunting on my mind. Can you tell?
3: Well, I thought you had hair hunting on your mind. <laughs>
1: that was there. We
3: go. <laughs> oh, he's the new mega shaman, <laughs> cougar shaman. I'll just do oh, the podcast man. like this, guys. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So, is that the new rug you just got back? Yeah Chad, that yeah, thing looks that, good That's right It does, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. yeah Whiskers are pretty good I got another one on the way, too
0: They've been there for if a uh, while. If they use Colgate Plus on those teeth They're looking good
3: <laughs>
0: This ad brought to that, you by Colgate <laughs> I saw this stuff that was supposed to, like,
1: whiten your teeth in 30 seconds It was this purple slime you put on your teeth
3: I didn't buy it, I was just <laughs> looking at it. Oh, 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 I thought you said you were going to try it I should I've got 54 years of Well, I have been drinking coffee
1: for 54 years But
3: you got 42 years of coffee I bet you started young You look like someone who started drinking black as oil At like 10 years old to get oh, to yeah. the sawmill <laughs> Well, when I first started drinking coffee It was, you know, like out of a
1: You had to have cream and sugar in it and then I don't know where it came from. Just all of a sudden, it was like I turned off the cream and sugar and went straight black coffee.
0: And that's how I it turned off the time. sugar. I turned off the sugar. I can't turn off the creamer yet.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Well, the creamer is worse. Are you using actual creamer? No. Uh, what do you use? The... Do you just use like cream or what do you use? Oh
0: No, it's the powdered creamer. Whatever. The... Oh, whatever. What are, the are you doing device. to yourself, Bryce? Oh, what's wrong with it? <laughs> It's horrible. <laughs> You're,
3: You're using... putting asbestos in your coffee.
0: Oh. Tastes <laughs> uh, pretty man. good out of my Houndsman XP
3: tumbler.
1: Hey, Lots. by the way, yeah, we've been selling a few tumblers. So everybody that's been in this Houndsman XP store and um uh, has has been purchasing stuff. We had a, an outstanding first first month, but um uh, yeah, some of the tumblers are moving, and all that stuff's going to be at Autumn Oaks next month. So there you go. What's Autumn Oaks, Chris? <laughs> oh my goodness! Do we even need to answer that question, Bryce?
0: <laughs> it's, it's the best week of your life. It's fantastic.
1: Uh It's well, it's like Jamie Anderson calls it. It's like the Sturgis for Coon Dogs.
3: That sounds fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it
0: doesn't start officially until Thursday, and we get there on Sunday morning, bright and early, to get in line, so we get a prime camping spot.
1: That's right. We're going to be hanging out at Bryce's camper, and, hey, we're going to have to talk off air because, all right, so since we, we already breached the the topic of automo, so let's just dive into it. We're going to be there. We're going to be set up in a double booth with Cajun Lights. We're gonna have oh yeah. Yep. So we're gonna have a mega booth. We're gonna have our new Houndsman Extreme dog box or competition extreme dog box on us on display. And that's all gonna be rolling out. There's gonna be all kinds of promotional stuff coming out on the dog box. Uh we're gonna have all of our merchandise there. We're gonna have uh sponsors there. Kevin and Nancy Hall are coming in from income idaho from dogs are treeds are going to be in the booth uh we're and there's a special unveiling that's going to happen there on a new product from dogs are treed we're going to have one tdc we're going to have um uh what else we're going to have dogs are treed we're going to have one tdc uh, we're gonna have Straight Line Enterprises, which produces our dog box, they're gonna be there. They're also a joy dog food dealer. So we got it going on. We're gonna be the
0: place Mid- our, I want our booth to be the place to be for that week. Midwest Laserworks will also be there. Probably not associated with the uh, Houndsman XP, but Midwest Laserworks Laser will have a booth.
1: Yeah, we don't want you to be actually <laughs> facial
3: <laughs> association good. with us, Bryce. Yeah, you'll have that on them big jobs. I don't want to
0: steal your thunder.
3: <laughs> hey, where's Game Catcher at? I thought he was gonna make fun of Bryce's garden today. I'm glad he didn't show up. <laughs> He's probably like on some squirrel-generated
1: internet from Maine, and his sound will be terrible. And he'll be like <laughs> trying to trying to make fun of stuff, and and his sound will be so bad that it'll be get all get lost. He'll in be, the be like him I,
0: Bryce, your
1: garden is terrible. <laughs> musky <laughs> b- bear walker black the lobster and that's all we'll get from it. pretty much yeah
0: yeah
3: so
1: what's all been going on there's this-
0: no making fun of this garden chris don't even start i'm just gonna end it don't make fun of my garden today
1: we're not gonna Something make fun of your garden. We're gonna get into the garden stuff, Bryce, because I, I actually want a full report um on the four by four garden. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't even say it without without laughing. Okay, so um, uh, but let's let's dive into this point blank. We've had a lot of stuff going on the last month or so. It's been a while since we've we've done a point blank, and um Chad's out there. Doing all kinds of crazy stuff Seth just got back from Canada Bryce continues to knock down Big wins and and Stuff at competition hunts And I just got back from New Mexico So we got plenty to talk about And if we have time, we'll talk about that Thing that you call a garden So um, Chad, what have you been up to, man? Oh, um, Training puppies
2: Training bird dog puppies right now And, and sighthound puppies that little guy
3: is so cute, Chad. <laughs> oh, dandy. That's his uh that's a secret weapon, that's what that is. Oh my god, he's yep. so cute. The
2: instant He's a Llewellyn seller setter, right? Yeah, that's well, yeah, that's right. He's a there's some weird uh, technicalities that may, you know, like his bloodline, his lineage forever has been Llewellyn Setters. And if I, if I'm getting this right, the registry is pretty much closed. So even though Llewellyn Setters are from you know, uh, that's kind the of world 40, 40. over. Yeah. Well, it, it, Spain, their dogs hunt that way, but they aren't in the stud book. So, like, he's an English setter of Llewellyn descent. There's, there's all kinds of nonsense. Luellen gets
1: on with you. Luell, gets you a glass of single malt, sixty year old Scotch. It's a. And you do your yeah, pinky up and, pinky up and yeah. stuff like that. If you just got a like a an English setter, it's like, oh, okay. There's some. There's some uh, you know, something over in there in the punch bowl that you can have. But if you have a Llewellyn, <laughs> then it's then it's the Scotch drinkers.
2: That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about them though. It's it'll be a new style for me, you know. Um, like the creepy, the little panther crawl for anybody that's not familiar with them. That's what this bloodline's notorious for, is it's uh it's ability to track. So a bird dog that, you know, is a specialist at tracking. You know, um, and they do that low crawl stuff where their their bellies a few inches off the ground and they do the panther crawls and they'll move up like 10, 10 yards and stop. And then you can kind of fall behind him with your gun up and ready to go. And no give a tap on the head and he'll move up another 10 feet. And, you know, because that's my problem up in the in the Chucker hills around here is there's not much cover. So the birds can see you coming and they're actually more afraid of the dog than they are the bird um, than me. You know, and if they ever see the Mm -hmm. dog, they flush and go. So, and a lot of times my dog will smell it and then they start working in and they'll point, you know, from 50 yards away sometimes, but sometimes at 80 yards, the birds will flush. So if the dog just says, Hey, there's odor here. And, you know, by doing the little creepy crawly thing, at least I have my gun up, I'm off safe, I'm looking. And then as we inch in, if the birds don't even let me get that final point, at least I'll be. Focused ready to go, have the gun up, so that, that's what's exciting about this little rascal, yeah. so a
3: tracking bird dog will be something new, you know his instinct oh, cool. is insane, man, just those videos you're posting it he's so young and just slamming on scent and already oh, that's entirely awesome. gun broke
2: too, which is cool because it's a soft breed, you know very handler sensitive you know this this line specifically very handler sensitive, so the breeder even calls it a, you know my dogs are soft. Um, so takes the correction very seriously, you know, very mild correction affects him. But that said, he's already entirely gun broke. I got the, uh, little 22 specials in the revolver, the little six shot revolver, and I could, I could wear him out. I could, I could stick it in between his legs and just, and he's, he's trying to bite the gun and everything. It's, he's totally gun broke already at 11 weeks. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: what, what is it? I've always asked this question. You know, we've all seen the the video of the litter of German short, uh, short hair pointers with the wing out in front of them, and instinctively everything goes on point. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered why those instincts are so easy, not easy, but what is it about, why can't we find those kind of genetic markers and instincts within our hounds? What's, what's going on there?
2: I think you could. It's just uh, the the there's a lot that goes into it and there's differencing uh, differences of opinion. So I'm just going to give you mine, you know, but like trials or field trials are one of the things that have really helped out bird dogs where it's you can be tested at you can come up with a program, set boundaries, you know, and give them time limits and plant the birds and you know, test each dog very similar to each other. And even now there's a lot of hunters like the bloodline I got my dogs from, they don't they don't trial, but a lot of that came, you know, that, that like jump-started the, the, the whole venue, the bird dog venue. Um, yeah, and, I, don't, uh, I
1: don't know if I buy into that, Bryce, because, I mean, how many night hunts are there in a weekend across the United States for coon hounds? The Houndsman XP Podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsmen of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsmen. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. Hey, guys, have you checked out Onyx? Seriously, I'm coming off of a two-week trip in northern New Mexico, and I cannot tell you how important Onyx was for me. It was a deal where this is an easy product for me to talk about, just based on a two-week experience. When you go into new country, and I've never been in the Paloma Ranch country, northern New Mexico before, with all the features and Onyx, I was able to get a really good grasp on that country and understand it at a level that I never could have any other way. There's features in there about tracking yourself, so you can make your own tracks and keep track of where you've been. That's important when you're when you're trying to navigate and head off hounds and and learn trails. It's sped up the learning curve so quickly uh, and terrain features you can look at topo maps you can look at at like heat maps that show you the degree of angle so you know where those big drop-offs are know where your dogs are headed i can't i can't say enough about it you just got to get into onyx and check out all the features go to onyxhunt.com and get the elite subscription today Use a promo code HXP20, and you will get 20% off of your subscription, your annual subscription to Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx.
0: What do you think? Way too many. Way too many. Um, I would say across the United States, there's over 25, 30. Easy, don't you think? I mean,
3: do you think the uniformity... Do you think the uniformity of the trials, like Chad was talking about, can make that a more testable example? Because in a coon hunt, you don't really know where the coons are. They're wild. But in a, in one of those competition hunts, possibly, as Chad was saying, birds are are planted in specific spots. that gives a uniform testing criteria that makes it more standardized. I don't yeah. know. Don't be com- into this. this is a complete outsider <laughs> looking in. <laughs> No, that—that's what I was gonna say. You know, I mean
2: that—that that helps, is what I'm getting at. It's uh-huh. easily te- okay. For example, hardness in a terrier, hardness in a terrier. That's—that's that's not easy t- for everybody to accomplish, but it's easy to test for if you're committed to it. I mean, essentially, you go out hunting and let your dog tie in with a raccoon and then grade it accordingly. That—that that can be tested for. But uh, desire to hunt, you know, range, all that, all those other things. It. it can be complicated for people to test on their own you know so i guess just what i'm trying to say is does the dog how close was the dog to the bird how hard did it point did it lock up like all these things can be can be handled pretty quickly i i I don't know i guess i see where you're coming from but i just think the measuring stick for bird dogs can be more easily tested for rather than uh A coon dog competition, I guess. But the the instincts are there with you guys, too. I mean, um, there's pups that will respond to raccoon odor at a very young age, salivate in the mouth, get excited. Um,
3: Plus, don't you think that selective breeding for a behavior is a little bit easier to quantify itself than, uh, like, well, I guess a physical characteristic behavior than it is, like, trailing something? Because... You know, we don't really know what our hounds are doing off in the woods, but if you're selecting for that pointing behavior, you can see it. It's right in front it's right of you. right there. Right so in front you. So you. you can make that adjustment. Plus, I mean, that behavior is just like a modified stalk, right? So it's a behavior that canids already want to do. And so yep. it's happening right in front of you, and you can intensely quantify and select for those behaviors right in front of you. So I, I wonder if that maybe helps bird dogs accelerate that behavior quicker. And like the 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 criteria of testing has maybe screwed that down even tighter again all hypothesis that's just kind of what i was thinking
0: now, i i don't know anything about the bird dog trials or how they work but are they are, is a dog tested individually or are there groups of four dogs tested at one time
2: there's there's all kind there's every kind of flavor you can come up with you know to, to be honest most are single um some dogs are ran in a brace you know um Um, but comparing Bob to Sally while they're both out on the field isn't as important. You know, the, the, like, I I guess, imagine if you could put a little camera on maybe one of your raccoon dogs, your coon dogs, and you could see, all right, you know, what did the strike look like? How did they trail? Did he wobble or did he hit the line and immediately take off left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot? Like you could ob- observe all of these different things, you know, where you can with a bird dog. Now when you hunt them again, there's, I believe this is what jump started. It. Now there's people that it took that, they stood on their shoulders, and now they're out hunting and those dogs are like thousand yard dogs and you can't observe all of that either. So I'm not trying to say that's the only way it can be done, but I think that, really got a lot of the fluff out of the way. Um, like for example, with cocker trials, those dogs never shouldn't ever really get 30, 40, definitely not 50 yards away. They're, they're trying to work in uh, shotgun range. So, mm-hmm. I mean, everything the dog does when it, there a flusher, catches the whip, right? what's that?
1: Cause they're a flusher.
2: That's right. That's right. Yeah. But you could observe all of it, you know, like, you know, where the wind's coming. You could see the little flagging tape where the bird is. You know, this one, boom, as soon as he hit it, he turned in. And, you know, so I don't know. I think, I, like I said, I think it's easier to put a metric to bird dog trial stuff rather than coon dog trial stuff. But like I said, it's still there. The The cool instincts firing off are still there to tree instinctively, you know, without being able to see it. That's neat. Um, But yeah. I don't know if it's quite the same as what you were saying, like with a little bird on the end of a string, a, a bird wing on the end of the string where they're just their instincts locked up. I mean, it's up. just
1: like, boom point you know mm-hmm. i've also used the the analogy of like a cat you know you, you take it you take a house cat and you kick some a cat that's living its entire life inside the house you boot it out and within a week it's stalking it's you know it's a home killer within a week you know it, it takes no but yet we see it all the time people say things like you know, eight out of 10 hound, hounds never make it. Well, I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied that eight out of 10 hounds can't make it. What Man, are we doing? If, if What are we doing as hound breeders if eight out of 10 can't make solid, serviceable dogs? When you can take a, a house cat and throw it out in the yard and not feed it for a week, and it's catching its own game and it's supporting itself, the instincts come out. I'm not, I don't, I don't buy that. But when I, when I see what you say, uh, Chad, about the, the bird dog thing, I think that what we do with coon hounds in competition or bear dogs is completely different. They're working without direct supervision, long way away from us. So there's a, there's a little bit more to it.
2: I think if we, you know, I'm not even suggesting this, but I'm saying hypothetical. You're just gonna have
1: to jump in, Bryce. You can't raise your hand. Don't be raising your hand.
2: <laughs> if in there a was a point drone, point. if there was like a drone that could follow on and then watch, you know, a track of dog. I mean, because even like some of the coyote dog stuff in the pens, like they're they're grading whoever the first dog is across the road, you know? Yeah. One, two, and three. One, two, and yep. three. Who's actually running that track the best? Ah, uh, you know, like. That's that, that it's it could just be whoever's cutting the corners and getting out front, you know, could could be could be <laughs> don't lynch me, please. bro. I
0: don't think that it's I don't think that it's eight out of ten hounds don't make it. I think it's eight out of ten hounds don't make it in the time frame that people want them to make it, especially in the competition side of things. It is all Great about path. who can do it the fastest, the youngest. Great point.
3: I was going to say, because you have no no pressure on that stupid cat. Like, it's just out there. We put way more pressure on a dog than that dumb cat. Plus, I'd argue eight out of ten cats that go outside are dead in three weeks from predators anyway. But <laughs> that just being said. That's a good thing. Which is good. Good job, predators. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I agree 100% with Bryce. I feel like it's just that, man, we put a lot on those dogs. So, yeah. We, we put
0: think, a ton on yeah. them, and and there's a lot at stake. Like, you, we're going out there hunting, you know, with $6,500 entry fee. Hunting for a hundred thousand dollars, you you've got to have a lot to stake, and you have to have a lot of pressure on them. You know, you you take the elite level to those, you take your elite level hound to those elite level events. You know, just because the dog doesn't tree four coons in an hour doesn't mean he's not a coon dog. You know, a dog that might tree two coons in an hour is a coon dog. It's just, are they going to suit you or are they going to suit me? What purpose do you use them for? You know, yeah, you don't take a you don't man who's been take his whole life. Doesn't want a deep and lonely dog. He just doesn't. You don't take a plow
1: horse to the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> you know, Very true. Yeah, you just don't. It it doesn't work. But
2: it's... I'd uh, also I'd also say this though. Here's here's another idea. Just just like you said, you know how you see the bird dog people with the wing on a string, and they flop it around, and they all lock up on point, right? Like you said it. You've observed it. Yeah. You know. Like, and I'm not saying this is the trick to it. This is the answer or anything like that. But like, what if Houndsman started getting a little bear scent and at how, whatever age did it from, you know, across the backyard and just turned all the puppies loose in the backyard. And then all the puppies ran out there to go like explore. And then all seven of the eight hit the track. One of them just went off in the corner and did its own thing. And one puppy out of that litter actually opened up on it, never mm-hmm. having smelt it before. And just kind of whimpered a little bit. And you genetically Dad, sterilized Dad, all free. the others and bred that one. And the next litter did it again. And next litter did it again. And next litter did it again. And, it again. and eventually the whole, you know, you're gonna have a bunch of puppies that are just opening them on scent just instinctively.
1: It's good. I
2: well, that I think may you-
1: be what it is. You tapped into something right there, and it was an overlooked podcast that Heath did. He did a two-part Just hear series. Just Chad
0: needs to tune in to the journey.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, Heath did a two-part podcast, and people didn't listen to it because it was hard for them to listen to because it was translated in Spanish. And then he did a follow-up with with Mark Dufresne, and they broke it all down but i would encourage everybody to if if you're interested in what you just touched on chad to go back and take the time and listen to what heath put together with miguel from spain on the tracking 101 podcast part 1 and 2 i mean it was it was unbelievable information that if you want to increase your success rates in developing great trail dogs then i don't know how you couldn't listen to that and and take something away from it
2: is that one of the things they do with the odor and the puppies
3: and the oh
0: yeah
3: yeah they okay. start
0: early Well, we can tell you haven't been doing your homework oh, <laughs> no. that was
3: a great episode hey. actually
0: yeah. I could tell you what I've
2: done with every hunting dog I've ever raised. And that's one of it. When I go to check out the litter, you know, yeah, that's one of the very first things I do. I take any, it doesn't even matter what it is. I could even, I've even used my wife's perfume one time. I'll take it on a rag and you know, I'll scuff it on my boot or I'll just drag it across the ground. And I'm asking them to turn the whole litter loose. And even if I'm not looking for anything, I want curiosity. I want them to get out there, identify it, and then respond to it in some fashion. And I'm okay with that. And then I want them to, uh, the next thing is a uh, willingness to forgive, you know, and, I've and got, overcome.
1: I've got a question. You brought up something that's crazy right there. Your wife's perfume. Mm-hmm. Why? And I, I already know the answer. I want you to expand on this. Why would yeah. you choose that for your puppies to follow? I've got, got my own theory on it. And I'll say it after you answer. I got, uh,
2: to me, it's just, uh, in a sense of olfactory, it's, it's loud. It stands Mm. out. It's, it's very strong. Um, it's not something that they've been associated with, you know? So those are the main things. One, it's not something they're familiar with Two, Um, it's very powerful. The three, it stands out. And if it's freshly sprayed, you can get it to, to bind to the ground a little bit. I always think of odor as like confetti, you know? Um, and if it's fresh, it will, it will stick so to speak to attract. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that's the main reason why, I mean, it's mainly just something different, you know, like they've been in the backyard before it's not something you're familiar with there. Give me, what do you got? All right. You got something in your purse here? Give me that bed, bath and body works, you know, like spray it on my hat and (laughs) drag it on the ground. And then I want to see who's curious, you know, like just who goes out there identifies it and then explores it. And then that's like a minimum standard for me.
1: Well, like when we were, when we were selecting, Dogs, all of our, all of our police canine dogs were donated dogs. Unlike what Heath does where they've got a different purpose for, you know, patrol dog stuff they're using. We, we select, they're using European breeds and all this other stuff. And I'm not going to mm-hmm. get into that cause I'll be in over my head. Cause, but what we did was we chose dogs and we used the, uh, uh, seeing eye dog institute standards so one of the things that we looked at was curiosity curiosity boldness you know so what you're saying is a puppy that shows um, a true interest in something that's curious not afraid to investigate investigative behavior is huge and we overlook it as houndsman uh, you know, when we're selecting these puppies, we don't understand it. It's not something we're familiar with, and it's a valuable tool. You know, we, we would take, like, the dog that I got, she was high ball drive. You could take that ball and throw it anywhere. You could throw it on the roof, and she was going to try to tear the house down to try to figure out how to get on the roof of the house. She would go under cars. She would go in cars. She would go in a dark place. Uh, All that sort of stuff. So you got that curiosity, but, but also I think there's something deeper. I think there's a mammalian, you know, the, the mammalian reflex there that mammals are drawn to mommy and the female pheromone, if you take your wife's perfume, they're actually relating that back to the mother figure in their life. My daughters, I'm telling you right now, since my girls left home, the quality of hounds that I have had and raised from puppies has gone down <laughs> because they put an extra layer on those puppies where they they bond with them and, and they just bring something out of them that we as knuckle dragon men can't bring out of. I'm just telling
3: you, that's my theory. My mm-hmm. wife has the same hypothesis, if that makes you feel better, Chris. She talks about it all the time, that she she says that her cuddling on them and loving on them all the time makes them better hunting dogs. I, I mean, you corroborate what she says. If she was sitting back there, she'd be grinning and going, pew, 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 slapping me in the back of the head.
1: <laughs> Tough was cheap. Tough was cheating on me last night. You know, I mean, that little sucker, he's laying outside this building right now, my little podcast space here, waiting on me. But if my wife came to the door he would be in there laying on the bed with her and he wouldn't even think about me coming in the house. He'd just be like, I'm good. Until you say it's time to go. <laughs> I don't know, man. I Sometimes I wonder, I call her the I, dog. I call her the dog napper. I mean, she can take any pup that I bring home and within 15 minutes, definitely within three days, if I go look, if I can't find a pup, I go look for her and that puppy's, right there with her it's crazy i don't know what's going on if i dogs had to are, if i had to guess ahead.
2: and put my input in on that um a lot of times uh the the ladies in our lives you know that that help us out with all these dogs uh, my wife's there as well um they're a great uh i'm gonna say safe space with <laughs> you know, agree. No weird connotation that goes along with it but there's you know uh, my wife doesn't have any expectations
3: exactly the puppy.
2: there's no standards he has to meet you know he doesn't she doesn't get on him for anything other than chewing up this or that or peeing in the wrong spot after that it exists and look cute which you know most puppies you know having spades so i think and to, to to go back to what you're saying uh chris i think it it sure as heck can't hurt to have somewhere they can go where there's like barely any expectations you know like and they're gonna win so to speak you know whereas with us you're like i need you to do this all right almost there almost there okay great you got it okay cool now now i need you to do this yeah all right yeah. you're almost there you're almost there all right cool you got it now here you know like with them it's like come here
1: exactly. you know
2: and, and dogs <laughs> that have that you know like i'm not saying they need that from both
3: parties i like it separate
2: you know like mm-hmm. you know
3: so yeah, I, I mean I, I'm I, not I, gonna lie, I do it too. When I see calypso, the cutest greyhound that's ever lived, I can't help myself. I turn into a little <laughs> puddle. I'm, you, 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 my calypso, because she's so <laughs> gross. <laughs> is she the one that eats her own shit? Uh no, not her own. She's not disgusting. Everyone else's. <laughs> uh, see, I'm not loving on that dog.
0: No, oh, way. it's just her nah. mouth. You could kiss her head. No. Nah. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, I took a I took a puppy one time. This is about six now. Probably close to a year ago now. I took a puppy out hunting, treated its first coon, knocked that coon out to it, let the dog enjoy the coon. That was at like two in the morning. I had a vet appointment, 8 a.m. sharp. And the vet tech was letting that puppy just kiss her and lick her all over the face. And Aww. I didn't even bother to tell her where that dog's oh, mouth had been. Six they deserve hours ago. it.
3: <laughs> they deserve it, Bryce. Let her wait and tell her it when it's all over. You know? Plot twist, she got coon hound paralysis.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think we've just from from your last statement there, Chad. I think you're officially the leader of the Houndsman XP He-Man Woman Haters Club. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think I think there is definitely something to that with with puppies and giving them. They've all. That's why we crate train to give them safe spaces and you know. I hate using that term. I know. We need to come up with something else. I we do. I we got to like come that. up with something else. The den.
2: I'm going to go brush my teeth <laughs> now. I don't want to say this. Yeah.
3: Ah. All right. <laughs> you know, we just had like that last like 30 minutes of this podcast about training all that. And then I was going to be like, Chad, what about your sighthounds? And he's like, oh, they chase things. The end. <laughs> That's <laughs> training them. <laughs> well, no, my new dog box, actually, my new dog box
2: is up on the 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 flatbed and then even higher than that so it's way up there I mean like it's it's you know just below my my chest here you know and there' are your to boobies jump
1: up and what's that those are your boobies your man yeah. boobs <laughs> okay those are pecs how dare you oh got yeah Chad yeah. <laughs> sorry my at fifty four at fifty four they're man boobs yeah
3: yeah <laughs> fair enough Chad only to 51, jump
2: thread okay. the needle and that's 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 hard as puppies getting them trained to do that. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm throwing up, I'm bringing hay bales with me. That's a little, <laughs> little tip there. Um, at the house, I, I stack them up in a set of stairs, you know, until, and I just, every day they come in, they go up there, then they go to like, it's just a part of our routine. They like, I'll have them inside in the crates inside. And every morning I get up and I leash at least walk them out. And then they run up the, the, uh, hay bales up into the thing. And I give them a little squirt of cheese whiz. Um, In the beginning, I used to squirt the cheese Whiz on the very back wall so they can go all the way in and find it themselves. And then I just slowly start removing hay bales. And now we're down to two hay bales. So they're still jumping almost like four feet. Um, And then when I take them out hunting now, I just grab the hay bales and I throw them up on the rig rack, you know, and I take them with me. And then when I unload them, they go out and hunt around. And then I set them up before I come back. And as I, as I leave, I fill a little bucket of water and put it up in the, in the dog box. So as Mm -hmm. we come back, the adults go in there and I find they follow way better than they're told to do anything. And Mm -hmm. my adult dog jumps up in there and they hear the drinking of the water and they just follow them right up in there. And they'll, if they don't think about it, they can do amazing things, you know, Mm -hmm. but if you're like, you slow them down and like, say, Hey, you can do this. Try it. They're like, I can't, I can't, I just can't. It's impossible. I don't have feet. I, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's working out for me with the side hounds. <laughs> Unofficially,
3: Cheese Whiz is the greatest training tool of all time. I'm so happy that I convergently came to that when I found out Chad was using Cheese Whiz, too. I've been using Cheese Whiz since my guys were just little teensy tiny monsters. And, oh, it's the best. You could get a dog to jump through a hoop of lava or a pool of lava with Cheese Whiz. It's the best.
0: The question uh, is, do any of you eat Cheese Whiz? nah no I okay don't. good i don't seth i, I didn't want any crap my creamer his... if you guys are eating cheese whiz because that is <laughs> the nastiest <laughs> stuff on this
1: planet earth seth lets a shit eater take some cheese whiz and then he squirts himself some too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not shit it's cheese <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> oh man As all right this... so oh, i want to
1: talk i want to talk about I mean, we've heard the we've heard the whole thing. Let's just do a brief recap on the last. All mixed up, because I want to save Bryce's episode. That that episode was unbelievable. That you, the last one, you dropped Bryce, but um, oh yeah, you guys did some cool stuff. Besides, talk about there's all kinds of stuff on Patreon. If you want to see all the the extra the. Uh bonus material. Seth has got that all up on Patreon. There's a complete podcast with all mixed up, breaking it down. But you guys did a couple other things that I thought was really cool, cool that I think we need to talk about. And that was the gear review and you did the keeper call. So yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was you, brother man. That was great ideas. Well, I mean, I just have too much time to drive around in in the in the woods or in the desert, I guess. But Yeah, I mean, as far as everyone heard, Canada was insane. And actually, I just, uh, we're still talking to some of the veterans that were there. Um, uh, uh, Jason, no, not Jason, sorry. Uh, Jeez, Louise, I got them all. I was talking to, still talking to Dylan. And uh, I just got a message from one of the veterans, you guys, who was there on the trip that was blown away from how much fun the hound hunting was. And it was Jason, I apologize. Yeah, Jason just got a hound, you guys. No way. yeah, I ruined another one. Good job. Yep, yep. <laughs> he just picked up his first hound. Jason, Brennan, you guys, the uh, patrons, go listen to the Patreon. And and uh, he joined me with Dylan on a bonus episode there, as Chris was talking about. And yeah, he just texted me today. He's like, well, I had a great time. Uh, I thought I was going to get a bird dog. Nope. I think I'm just going to get a coon hound. And it looks like he got himself a, a red tick of some kind or an English, I think. I, yeah. I don't know. It looks nice. like. You
1: can't
3: yeah, see Yeah, we it. can't
1: see that. <laughs> looks like an English dog. Yeah, yeah, so anyway, it's one of them um, off colored dogs, according to Bryce. It's one of
3: them <laughs> off colored dogs. <laughs> yeah, He's giving yeah. you the thumbs down right now, Jason.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm just hey. saying, those English dogs can be hard to live with. I have seen them do very good work, but man, they can be stubborn.
1: Mm. Oh, now,
0: yeah, not right, as so stubborn anyway. as blue ticks, not as stubborn <laughs> as blue ticks.
1: see anybody can any any idiot can take a walker dog out as much as as many of them as there are and as many people that are breeding them sooner or later you're going to find one they're everywhere you can find one that's decent somewhere but when you start getting into the specially breeds you, you give me a guy that's got a black and tan coon hound that shows up and he's always a threat that's the houndsman out of the group that's the guy He's the one. And I'm not even a black and tan guy. Now, if you take a guy that's got a plot that's a threat, it's a it's a PKC event, then you better watch out for that guy. He's not packing junk
3: and he knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh keep or call, you guys. Stay tuned for that. There's gonna be a lot more. Uh there's gonna be a lot more of that coming up, and I'm gonna be poking at the Hounds and XP crew for a lot more of those. Chad's was the best one. I actually had to mute my mic several times because I was in stitches. That was <laughs> that was funny. Chad, you should have kept him. I actually uh some of some fans messaged me after that episode, you guys, and um <clears throat> everyone said keep Chad. So I just want you to know They you didn't have four, to four. clean up the sewer bucket. <laughs> three no times kid a day. Speaking, speaking of Canada, Lloyd Hooper, uh the guide out there. Uh a good friend of mine uh from, from Babine Guide Outfitters, he said, Hey, you're not drinking that water, who cares? <laughs> like he said, hunt him. <laughs> yeah.
1: hey, Mackie Mans has got a pup up there right now that just won King of the Hunt at the uh oh, it was a blue tech hunt up in Michigan. They just made him a night champion. He was here. He was he's actually in a video. I raised that pup, and he was in a video baying a bear when he was just real young. And uh, you know what the the deal breaker was for me, Chad? That sucker peed in his doghouse. Yeah, yeah. He just he he would flood his doghouse. He was too. I don't know why he decided that that was the place that he needed to take a leak. But I actually had to drill holes in the bottom of the doghouse and drain it out because they're attached to the back
3: of my. Ugh. Oh yeah, and it still smells bad. But it's so. Why though? Why get rid of him? I mean, who cares, right? I mean, or is it just I, that I, gross? Because
1: that it one, was. Go ahead. Go go, go go. Because it was cold,
3: and I know it was an easy
1: fix. I could have moved him, and and put him in a smaller doghouse. But it was the the doghouse he was whelped in. I think he grew up, you know, letting a little loose in there, and it kind of smelled that way anyway. But I really think it was just a a. Mental thing for him And it was just a deal breaker for me It's like If you're not smart enough Or you don't have the guts To go out and pee And show your wee wee In front of the male dog Standing next in the kennel next to you I don't need you And mm-hmm. And He 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 goes north Mackie gets him Mackie loves
3: him And Hallelujah You know That was just the way it was You've said multiple times though That sometimes a zip code change Can do a lot for a dog
1: Yeah Yep, because for me, if I get down on that dog, if I'm down on them, it's just like, like they they gotta like resurrect the dead and walk across water in order for me to to even mm-hmm. take another look at them once I get done on them.
2: That messy stuff, though, the, the reason I hate that, I mean, like, Black was a special case because he only pee- pooped in his water bucket, you know? He didn't poop in the dog box. <laughs> but I'll get rid of a dog that pees in its doghouse, dog box. any, I hate cleaning it up. Yeah, it's I do, built- too. I'm too I lazy clean to clean it up. It up. And, I don't tolerate and it. Yeah, there's standards with dogs, and a lot of times if, you know, they like to keep themselves clean, and once they decide it's okay to stand in their own pee or stand in... The other dogs pee or poop or anything. And then they all start doing it. It's just, bah. I, mean, I touch these things. It's, it's nasty. You yeah. know, so like, that's that's a quick way to go. Dog fighting, not coming when when you're called, and messing the dog box. That'll get you in a whole lot of trouble around here, you know. Um, <laughs> and and mainly because it just affects everything else, you know. Messing the dog box, it can ruin other dogs. It can take your best dog and teach them a bad bad trait. And I travel a lot where I'll just pack up you know the hawk and the horse and you know bird dog sight hounds and a hound or two and you know and then go you know and do all the different things and if their knee-jerk reaction is like oh i have a mild desire to to empty i'm just gonna press my butt up against the corner and poop on the other dog that
1: just we need to do a podcast
0: do You tolerate about traveling with dogs bryce what you got I say, do you do you guys tolerate barking in the box? Because that, for me, is almost as much of a uh, turn off as relieving themselves in the box. I cannot stand a dog that barks in the box. When you're in the box, shut up. Depends. Depends. Uh, for me, at
2: least, you know. For me, if I'm traveling, yeah, shut your mouth. You know. And they know when I when I mean it. You know. But then when we're hunting they know they can get away from it a little bit more because I rigged so much with bear and lion and everything like that. I'll I'll rig. So they need to early on when I was getting started, I used to be that hard about it, you know, because with the bite dogs, they'll bark forever if you let them, you know, so it was really strict, shut your mouth. And then I got to the point where like my dogs weren't rigging like they should. And I was like, what's going on? And it was because I had such a strict, no barking in the dog box situation going on and they just, they wouldn't do it. So, they get away with it a little bit. I'll let them bark, and if I can tell they're just really just trying to make some noise because they're bored, you know, I'll get on them and stomp them back down. But they always get a few freebies with me when we're actively hunting for bear or lion. Um, but if we're traveling, if we're on the highway cruising, nah, shut up. Shut shut the heck up.
0: Yeah, there's just a couple guys that uh, um, I hunt with quite a bit, and gosh, they have some really nice dogs. But the whole way to the woods, you just listen to them bark. And I just, I can't, you're in the truck behind them and you yeah. hear their dogs barking. And man, I you, it drives me nuts.
2: Yep. I'm with you. I had a buddy that used to hog hunt and he he ran him with hounds, plot hounds actually. And uh, he'd load his uh, side-by-side up into the horse trailer and then like eight or so plot hounds into the back of the trailer and then take off. And those things would light up from his house all the way out to the field. I'm like, all the pigs are gone now, man. <laughs> They're we're going to be chasing these things till dawn just to try and catch back up. You know, it just, yeah. So I'm with
1: you on that one. That drives me nuts. I, I, I can't stand That's, it. Isn't that kind of an etiquette thing though, too? I mean, it's, it's one of those deals that, um, uh, as houndsmen, especially I've noticed Eastern coon hunters are very intolerant of it, but, but bear hunters and, and things like that, um, you know, they tolerate a little bit more because they think that, if they get on a dog for loose barking in the box, then it's going to affect their ability to rig bears and, and different things like that. If you don't know how to finesse it, I guess it could. I mean, but
2: if you know how to read your dog, it's not, it's, it's fine. My dogs know they don't ever bark on the highway, you know? Um, and they, they, like I said, they will, they will get a little sloppy sometimes. Like if it's, you know, somebody gets a little excited, they'll, they'll bark and I'll get out and they'll shut up, you know, and I'll get in the vehicle and drive a few feet, and they might bark again. I'm like, all right, hush, you, you know what the heck's going on. And then they will be quiet for the rest of the day and then explode when we cross that bear rig, you know? So it's, yeah. they can know the difference. You just I gotta agree. meet the
1: standard. My dogs are allowed to, you know, they, they, they bark on the rig up on the rack, but I don't tolerate barking in the box. Um, unless it's just a red hop track and who can blame them for that? You know, if it's a, if it's a box shaker inside the box and I don't have rig holes in my box and stuff like that. Um, but they're allowed to bark up on the rig, but not loose bark. And I think it's just knowing your hounds, like you said, Chad, just knowing what's there and what's, you know, what's real and what's just nervous, stupid barking. Cause there's yep. a difference, man. You get a dog that you're going you just, I can tell I've got, I've had pups and and Diablo will still do it to me. He hadn't been hunting for a few days and you're pulling out and he's, he's rolling out the driveway here and he's, he's getting, he's back there whining and carrying on and, and different stuff. I don't tolerate it.
0: Okay. Hey, so <laughs> we were talking about instincts earlier. I got one for you. I got a pup here right now that barks like crazy in the kennel and it drives me nuts. That's another thing I do not like. She wears what? a bark collar a lot. But I will say, I've never had to get on to her for barking in the box from day one. When she goes in the box, she's quiet as can be. Sometimes when I need a break from her, I'll put the box in the shade and I'll just put her in the box. <laughs> she's quiet. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. Like I wonder if that's something like instinctive. I don't know, but it's just interesting with her. I've never once had to get onto her for that.
1: Yeah, it's crazy because because uh the the Two plots that I've got they're pretty quiet in the kennel, but if you put them in the box and they think they're going hunting, then you've That's got how to, mine are you've oh got to God. put the you got to have
3: your finger on the button and, and quiet them down. But I got um, four that are like that. I mean, you got one that it, Calypso, the one that eats all the poop, she's pure charisma. Okay, when it's time to go hunting oh, in yeah. the morning, it's she's crazy, real, she's very metropolitan. She is. She is. She's a high-class co- lady. Co- How dare Cosmopolitan. You?
1: Cosmopolitan. Cosmopolitan. That's amazing. she's
3: all the politons. Yep. Okay. <laughs> but, Neapolitan. Never yeah, mind. There you the, go. Never mind this chunk of, of of shit between my teeth right here.
1: Oh, no, <laughs> she swallows
3: it whole. She doesn't chew it. She's not disgusting. Okay. Uh, she's probably sitting there chewing that shit like bubble gum. She's like, oh, gum. <laughs> I watch her. She goes straight from the tap. She tosses it back like a That's like a scale tootsie roll. Anyway. But yeah, um, when I in the morning when I'm ready to go hunting, she's freaking annoying, like throwing herself on the ground, howling, barking, yapping, whining. All the rest of them are real quiet except her. So I feel bad when I get everyone up in the morning to go hunting and it's like 430 in the morning and my wife's trying to sleep. I have to put a bar collar on her. Otherwise, she'll wake Liz up and there's just no way she's going back to sleep because Clipso's. And heaven forbid I have to leave Calypso. She's like salivating and freaking out. It's bad. So anyway, yeah, I uh, I feel bad for her in the early morning. I, I don't have any of those problems in the box, though. Um, when Strider was a little puppy, he'd pee sometimes in the box. But I didn't really, Yeah, whatever. He was a baby. He grew out of it. Now well,
1: you bring up a valuable point there. I'd rather have one bark a little bit in the box. I've never had a dog turd from any of my dogs in the yeah, box. me neither.
3: Me neither. You know,
1: so... I'd rather have a little bit of barking and, and have to get on them for that than than have one that gets so spazzed out that they put liquid sewage all over the dog box. That's horrible. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. Deal with that the rest of the day. I actually
2: I actually have a dog, a sidehound puppy that's doing that right now. And I am I'm g i am got it on the run. I got it on the run. She gets car sick and some dogs throw up and she'll just poop, even if it's not liquid. It she'll just go. You know, and then when I, if I ever go too long, all the dogs will hop out and she'll be in the back kind of woozy, you know, oh man. and and it took me a little while to find out it was her. And now I know it's her, but, um, I'm just doing short, short, short little, short little drives, you know, I'll come home from work, you know, and I'll load her up and I'll drive down the road and turn around and come back and take her right back out and feed her, take her inside and feed her, you know, and I just try and just extend it, you know find her point oh, your... look back there and she'll look drunk and i'm like oh we've reached the limit time to get her out <laughs> <laughs> is it yeah. one and of your fluffy working. tails chad what's that is it one of your fluffy tails
3: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: yeah she's but she's already coming out of it she's coming out once i identified who it was you know and just just like i said just pro you know identify it and then load her up and take her for a ride and give her give her a reward for it and then bring her back and just extend it out a little little bit at a time it's it's fine I can't wait to uh, see
3: them in action. That's going to be awesome, dude. They're they're looking so good.
2: Yeah, I'm excited.
3: Let's talk about gear review a little bit. What you guys are doing with gear
1: reviews. What, do you, yeah. what are you guys thinking that you're going to take? You did boots. And what else did
3: you do? Did you just do boots? So far, we've only done boots. And we're right now, obviously, we're going to do gear that we use a ton. And mm-hmm. it's not just hound hunting gear, too, because there's a lot of gear that translates among the disciplines. You know what I mean? So I don't want to give too much away. <laughs> Stay tuned. But uh, next next month, we're going to be focusing on moving away from clothing and focusing more on uh, like some gear that keeps you just more comfortable and happy in the field. There's a, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of pro tips that I've accumulated that aren't necessarily for hound hunting, just more like wilderness living that makes you a lot more happy out in the field. And uh, those are kind of some things that I want to transition with as well, gear reviews. So stay tuned, you guys. I got 13 years of, I only have about 20 office days a year. So I live in the desert so that I can give some better pro tips on wilderness living than I can on hound hunting. (laughs) So I'll be giving some of those as well with our gear reviews. Some gear that is cheap, cheap guys, cheap. I spend on great gear and I think that's really important, but there's also a lot of things that you can do that are quite affordable that are very nice yeah yeah well cool you guys everybody needs
1: to tune in I'll, I'll be looking forward to that for sure seeing what you guys got going on um boots are just something that are so important so and important. man i'll tell you what it's i remember when i first started hunting it it didn't matter but as you get more into it and you get some age on you you want to be comfortable and you start dealing with plantar fasciitis and And just ailments that old people get, then you you gotta you gotta try to find stuff to cheat the system because you could I used to be able to throw on a pair of lacrosse, you know, or gum boots and just like my kids, man. They I never bought them anything expensive. They they bought the little rubber ducky boots and they go all day because they wanted to be there. And now I'm getting to be more of a gear snob.
2: Cracking have you gone back to the rubber ducky boots, though? Have you tried them again?
1: <laughs> no, I have not. Won't do it. Won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Won't do it.
3: Yeah, so, I, I I loved your talk with Bridger, Chris. Oh, That was one of the best episodes of Houndsman XP I've ever listened to. Um, and I also wanted to give... You already beat me to it, but I was going to give a huge shout-out to, to Bryce's episode. I, I actually really, really love the Hot or Not episode. That was really good, right? That was an think-
1: awesome way to start off a podcast. Oh, so good. All right, guys, uh, let's talk about hot or not. Yeah, you remember the game? You remember the game?
0: It was awesome. It was good. It, I it, think was, it was very good. Thank you, thank you, guys. I mean, it, it was fun. Uh, but now I'm trying to think of, you know, how to one up that because man, I, like no, I can't just roll with it. Hot one. or
1: not is you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> we need to change the name of the podcast. Hot or not with Bryce Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> special segment
0: no it yeah. was fun and and you know shout out to to Kevin and billy on that one too because these podcasts you know we couldn't do it without the guests that you know sit down in front of the mics with us and, and they were just a blast to have on there and they resonated yeah, they awesome. with the people and you know i just i feel like it was it had all the combinations to be a good podcast and i i didn't think it would be as well received as it was but man we got a ton of good comments and reviews on top not people messaging me and I mean, I, I sure appreciate it. it. It makes the guy feel good about it, you know?
1: Definitely. Yeah. That's the truth, too, about your guests. That's what made the the bear episode with Bridger Petrini. Oh. He was just such a great guest. I didn't have to do anything. I was sitting there listening to this story, and I just happened to look at my timer. And usually at about an hour or so, you're trying to figure out how you're going to wrap stuff up. and And it was like an hour and 15 minutes into it, and I'm still like... Are you kidding me? We've been talking for this yeah. long, and I was like, and, "Man,
3: it's so good!" Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it but was a not, great episode.
1: Not mm. taken away from anything that you did, Bryce, but the Deep and Lonely podcast is is really taking on its own own life, and the style that you're doing it in is just great because it's about it's about the guests, and and you're really showcasing. Uh, you know, some people that, that have their own ideas and, and thoughts about it, and you're letting them run with it. And and it's kind of like you're the student listening and trying to glean all the knowledge you
0: can. So It, it is. It is 100%, and I've told that to several people. And, and that's kind of how I am just as a general person. Like, I love to learn things. I mean, I, I drive 8 to 10 hours a day in my truck, and I listen to podcasts most the majority of the time because i feel like i can that's time that i can learn you know so when i get that hour hour and a half to sit down f- with people and and listen to them and learn how they've done things and um you know a lot of these guys that i've had on there so far have been guys that are further ahead in the sport than i am so i'm like okay i want to be where they are what do i got to do to get there so mm-hmm. it's, it's just an opportunity to gain that knowledge and and build those stepping stones and hopefully reach the level that they're at
1: for sure for sure. That seems to be a theme around here, really. You know, we don't have anybody that produces podcasts for us that, that's got the attitude that I'm the guy. You need to listen to what I have to say. I have arrived. You know, it's it's Heath's podcast, The Journey, all mixed up. We're all trying to bridge these gaps and and, and make life easier for
3: and just learn from each other on this whole thing that's right well if you think you know it all you're not a very bright person that's the first thing right i mean uh, I, when i first started here at houndsman xp one of the first guests i had was paul domsky and he's been running sidehounds for 25 years and he said i just feel like now i've learned enough that i feel like i don't know anything you know what i mean at 25 <laughs> yeah. years he's just like you, you you get to this point where you're just like man i still have so much to learn and like my friend david He's been hunting sighthounds for 71 years and he's just like, I'm still learning something. Every time I turn him out, I'm like, damn,
0: David, damn. You and, know? And, and that's the truth. You know, every single time you turn them loose, like I feel like I'm learning something and I am a student of the sport and all aspects of it. And, you know, I'm very blessed that I've got a couple good buddies that I can call at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, because I know they're doing the same thing I'm doing. I'm like, Hey, This is what's happening. What would you do? And I well, try Mm -hmm. this or try that or no, you're doing just fine, you know. And so you've got to have two parts to that. You've got to have um, somebody willing to learn. And then you've got to have somebody willing to teach, because if you're not willing to teach, you're not willing to spread the wealth and you're not willing to grow the sport. So, you know, I feel like I'm I don't know much by any stretch of the term, but I know more than somebody who's just getting into it. So when people message me and hey, what would you do here? What would you do there? You've got to remember that, you know, you were once that person. So help them out the best that you can. And at a point, you have to be like, all right, this is past me. Let me reach out to somebody else, or let me uh, you know, get you in, in touch with somebody else who might know better.
1: I heard a preacher one time uses the phrase he was, you know, he's giving his sermon and and he was trying to get his message across and it was a touchy subject. <laughs> he goes, Guys, I'm not an expert here. I'm just a beggar trying to tell another beggar where to find bread yeah and that's that a stuck good way of putting it with, that stuck with me as a person i learned something from all kinds of people that i hunt with you know i just got back from two weeks with shorty Gorham out in new mexico and and just watching the way he does things with hounds and you know, I learn, I learn, I learn. I learned stuff when I was talking to Bridger Petrini. I learned stuff, you know, if if you're not willing to open your mind and I mean you've got to have a bullshit filter, there's no doubt about it. But at the same time, there's nuggets of knowledge all along this trail that we're on. And if you if you've got your head in the air and your nose in the air and you think, I got it figured out. I'm just going to get to the end on my own. You're missing a big part of the enjoyment of it Mm because I can't imagine being at that point where I mean, if I get to that point, I might as well just get rid of everything I got. There's nothing left. Yep.
3: Yep. Totally. Totally agree. Growth is exciting. Yeah.
2: Something. Especially you. Go ahead, Seth.
3: Oh no! I was going to say growth is exciting, especially in a four by four plot. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> go.
2: <laughs> go ahead, Chad. Smooth. I I think everything you guys say in there is is super important, but uh, and and spot on. You know, like I I always try and learn more. I think I think that's important for any dog man, any expert really. I mean, like it's not just dogs. You take some metal worker, you know, or uh. A lifelong farrier or an artist, a a painter. I got a buddy. I'm going to, I won't say his name, you know, but he's a, he's a taxidermist. He makes hoods. Uh, he, um, is an artist, a painter and a sculptor, you know, and he just, if he, man, he can't swing a stick without making something beautiful, you know? And, uh. <laughs> he says all the time that he's learning, you know, like it, yeah. it, So I think it's important of any person that really, truly wants to be, you know, as Great. good as they can be at whatever, you know, even yeah. if they're not trying to earn some title, I want to do A, B and C because then I'll be a master. No, like they just want to be as good as they can be. Yes. I think that's part of it. So anybody that really genuinely tries has that same mindset. And I just think a lot of the people that, you know, say, no, I've got it. I've, I've learned everything I need to learn. You don't see them at the top very much. You really don't because, I mean, they they fall behind real fast as soon as you get that men, that mentality. But something else uh, uh, we kind of zipped over real quick that I thought would be real important to, to say is share your information with a lot of people. Yeah. I know a lot of folks like to retain it and hold it and, you know, I'm like, hey, this is my, this is valuable. I just don't want to give it away. But obviously, I'm a talker, you know? Um, but no way. What? I, <laughs> I have learned so much just talking thoughts out, you know, yeah, and training sure. somebody that may not be as knowledgeable in whatever specific topic we're talking about here, you know, and, and in explaining it to them, I'll unlock little facets of my own technique or something like that. So I learn by teaching, you know, and sharing. Exactly. Teaching is yeah. a
3: great way to learn. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh.
2: You know, like it, I, I think it's like, one of the last steps of becoming as good as you can be at your trade is, is sharing that knowledge. And it, it consolidates, it compartmentalizes bits and pieces in your mind so that you can uh, describe it. I'm I'm lacking the right words right now, but like, so that you can get, you know, wrap it up in a pretty little package and give it to somebody else, you know, and in, in doing that really helps you understand what you're, what you're thinking already and what maybe a, what you've been doing for years, you know, there's
1: a couple things there that, that, uh, you know i i think of one is the um the steps that we taught in hunter ed about you know the progression of the hunter you get the shooting phase you get the the limiting out phase you get the method stage you get you but the ultimate stage that you reach is that mentoring stage as a hunter where where you start teaching other people and you share your experience and, and even if it's bad experience, you know, and you see that guy that's standing there saying, don't do that. I know what's going to happen. You know, that's still sharing your experience. And then the other thing that I think about is, have you ever heard the term paradigm paralysis? Yes. And- paradigm, you know, Thomas Kuhn wrote the book, Structure of Scientific Revolution. And he stated in the world of scientists that they go through a thing called paradigm paralysis where they've got their theory. They've already got the end in mind. So they've developed these theories and nothing else can possibly work. That's, that's paradigm paralysis. When you get thought stuck in your own thought process that you think that there's nothing else that could be feasible. And, and I find, I find a lot of times it's real easy for us as houndsmen to
3: to get stuck in this paradigm paralysis. Yes, the opposite of thinking outside the box. And it happens in academia. You know, and and how it was great. The The layman term for that is those people have their heads way too up their own ass. You know what I mean? Like they need to, you got to get out and experience other ways of looking at a problem. And that's where a great team comes in. And exactly the point we're all making is surround yourself with people you respect that are knowledgeable. And it'll increase your knowledge. It'll increase everybody's knowledge. And, you know, it's so funny, too, you know, Chad, you bring up that guy who does all these crazy, difficult things. And I'm just like, where where are these people? Like, all I do is go look a jackrabbit. You know what I mean? And these <laughs> guys are like all these guys are painting and sculpting and building hoods. And I'm just like, you want to see a hair? <laughs> like, <you> know. <laughs> Oh, so anyway, that's all I was thinking. Chris, I was I think about the, the the progression. I heard about the progression of hunters first from you. And I think about that often, often. And where am I? I think about that all the time in both big game hunting and my journey in houndsmanship. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think about that often. And yeah, it's it's something good to think about where you fall in that kind of spectrum. Well, Bryce, I think you're doing a great job with with deep
1: and lonely of of uh, you know capturing that that thought, whether it's intentional or not. I think it it rings true. I mean, oh yeah, we all just need to uh, hear other people's story and develop our own theories, and and you're doing a good job of that. So,
0: well, I appreciate that, fellas. I've had a blast. You know, been doing this for a couple months with you guys now, and. Feels like we've been doing it for a long time, but I mean it's, it's just fun. It's a it's a good environment. Surround your people with those you want to be like and you might go somewhere in life.
1: <laughs> oh
3: all right. Well, hey, what else we gotta cover? What else is there? Well, tell us about New Mexico. Tell us what you loved about it. You just you just you just keep sprinkling in that you were there. What did you what did you love, bud? Because I mean, don't even get me started. Oh, yeah. No, New
1: Mexico, Northern
3: New Mexico. I've told, told several
1: people that, uh, you know, that whole area, whether you're coming from, you know, the extreme Southern parts of Colorado or Western slope or whatever, but it's just a lifestyle down there that, that is different than probably anywhere else I've been. Um, I've told a few people that it's like the last bastion of you know the cowboy culture where you know, you've know you got these open open rigs and jump rigs and different things and saddle horses and people working cattle off a of horseback to to just huge ranches of of um 40,000 acres that I'm not keeping up here you guys are doing stuff I don't know what you're doing in the chat session here but anyway uh you know, the, the ranch we were on was 40,000 acres. The T.O. Ranch, as you heard in the Bridger Petrini episode, 400-pound bear episode, is 225,000 acres. I There's only 83,000 acres in the county that I live in. I mean, that's crazy yeah. to think about how big this ranch is you can put five ranches five five of my counties
3: in the paloma ranch almost yeah, you know and think about it too is that that's deeded private the majority in new mexico is public
1: yeah well so, we're not gonna get the whole you know you're right i mean it's just space is badass is all yeah. i'm trying to say it, <laughs> yeah. it absolutely is it absolutely is and and um uh, you know, are just isn't anybody that lives there. It'd be a miserable place. I, I came across Southwest Kansas, and I had the thought that somebody would have to be absolutely 100% sold out that I'm going to be a farmer and in the ag business if they want to live out there. I mean, it's it's crazy. Once you get south of Dodge City, Kansas, southwest of Dodge City, Kansas, you drive and. I'll tell you a cool thing that I did. This is crazy. I was driving across US, Uh, it was um, US 160, I think. And I was looking around, I was like, there's no trash along the edge of the road. None, there wasn't any trash. So I started set my trip odometer. I went seven miles between a McDonald's wrapper or whatever and the next piece of trash. You can't do that here. You can't do that. You can't go a tenth of a mile here without seeing that. And and the just that sort of mindset and that open space and that respect for the land. And it was like that all the way down into New Mexico. It was it was it's pretty amazing. Pretty well, amazing. Well, how about
3: just the dichotomy of the weather? That's what I love about it. It's so diverse. I mean, well, I call you it were... going on I I call it going on my western period because <laughs>
1: about after three days of being there, your nose dries out and then you get these bloody snotty boogers and stuff and that lasts for about five days and then after you pass five days you're cool it's all good it's all good so it's about the same
3: same length as a menstrual cycle for your nose your your nose would just be like a wasteland if you came down here (laughs) it's like seven percent humidity and like
0: 111 right now yeah (laughs) yeah but it was like 75 where you were yeah. S- speaking of not finding trash, we got a side note. We're gonna we're gonna do a follow up on the next point blank. I'm on a mission to figure out who is throwing those little fireball shooters in my yard. Every time I mow, <laughs> there are fire. There's new fireball shooters down the length of my property, right on the fence line. So I'm on a mission oh. to figure out who is doing that. Well, it you is just ridiculous. put out you
1: just put out a calling card. You just put out a calling card. Everybody that listens to the Hounds of Manicope podcast in northern India, Throw your trash. Yeah, throw throw your fireball shooters out (laughs) in Bryce's yard.
3: I have never littered in my life, and now I literally want to go throw a 30-pack out on your face. I know where he
0: lives. Come on. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Chris knows where I live. Like, right on the edge of where the cows are, it is just – I mean, there's four or five fireball shooters every week that I mow.
1: You got it's seven kids ridiculous. in that house. Have them go out and mow the grass, Bryce. We've covered this. You know, they should be mowing you know, the grass and it wouldn't even bother you because you'll never see
0: them. They'll just hit I them did. with a the mower I was, and scatter I was them across teaching, the lawn. I was teaching the oldest boy <laughs> to mow. You know, I, he mowed a couple times. And then the next time I went out to mow and the front end of my mower was a little busted up. And, you know, I failed to mention we hit a little something. But we'll have that on those big jobs. Oh, they got to right. learn somehow yeah yeah but yeah the fireball shooters, man, if they get in my garden, I'm really gonna be aggro. Right. I got an
2: idea. Mad. I got an idea for you, man. go to your your neighbor's property and put a trash can out on out in their yard close to the road with a sign that says, You know, can you make it? fireballs here' <laughs> Both you know?
0: eye on it, yeah.
2: Yeah, so that everybody will just throw them, you know, before they get to your yard over in that trash can. You know, it'll be his problem then, you know. But maybe it'll stick, you know. You could do it on like a street sign
3: or something. Chad, you're a training genius.
0: <laughs> it's
3: Positive all reinforcement. Have behavior and how do. can you manipulate it, man? <laughs> it's all the same. <laughs> oh, man. Chris is-
0: bitch
1: right
3: there i'll tell you what hey
1: i want i do want to tell you about tough and his his uh bear hunting experience and we did trash on some bears in new mexico so we were lion hunting what are you going to do? you know you get a bear track you got dogs free casted and, and they trash on a bear this whole sucker was sorting out tracks i mean that that the hounds were were like Bogged down on the cliffs and different things, and he—I'd see him looping out, and then the hounds would follow him out, and boom, away they'd go.
3: Extremely impressed with that little terrier. I remember you called me; you were so excited. I, oh you, yeah, you—you you were telling me. You sounded—it made my heart happy. It did. <laughs> you were like, "Oh, you were like Seth." He he ran. He he goes truck to tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt.
0: <laughs> he definitely. Did he does. sound just like that? He was so gleeful. I did
3: gleeful. Gleeful. He was so gleeful.
2: Well, terriers are like little mascots, man. I don't know of another dog that could get you so pumped. You know, like they're just their enthusiasm for life.
0: It it bleeds and everything around him, you know? That's exactly and, right. That's so exactly right. I tell you right. what, I, I watched a video on Facebook this week that made me want to just quit everything I'm doing in life and train a Terrier for nuisance control because it was the coolest three-minute and 41-second video I've seen in a long time. It was Tyler. And you know what I'm talking Tyler's. about, Chad? Tyler Slayton. When oh, that my god! jumped out of the soffit of the house, and that Terrier came in whack! I mean, it was game over! It was amazing. Like I was like, right, "That's it. I'm going into nuisance control with a terrier." Yeah, <laughs> for
3: sure. Well, <laughs> well, do we have a treat for you? Yeah. Stay tuned to be all <laughs> all mixed up next this month. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well,
1: guys, I think we've been.
3: I, I hate to put a
1: time limit on it, but I'm getting sleepy. I'm old. No, I've, seriously, been a great conversation. I appreciate <laughs> everything, everybody. Does make sure that you're checking out The Houndsman XP podcast and can go to HoundsmanXP.com And before we wrap this up And I put a bow on it Does anybody have anything pressing That they need to get out Before we, we tell everybody Where they need to find all the cool merchandise Chad Round Robin good. Shotgun Chad 10 seconds
2: I'm good I'm good
3: Seth Check us out, you guys, on Patreon. We're doing all kinds of cool stuff there. Uh, stay tuned. Our our $12 patrons, a new round of Sportsman's Alliance memberships is going out tomorrow. So thank you guys for your support, and uh, I love seeing you all there. Come check out our bonus material we talked about in this, uh, in this podcast, and there's a lot more to almost every podcast me and Chad put out. There's tons of bonus material behind the scenes.
1: That's right. Bryce, unmute your mic and give us your wrap-up here.
0: No, I just want to say thanks to everybody who's been supporting Deep and Lonely so far. Uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, feel free to go over there check it out. Uh, and then make sure to come by and say hi to all us, to all of us that are going to be at uh, Autumn Oaks. You know, that was uh, something that I'm looking forward to. It's a great event. It's a very busy event for myself as I work it. Um, we take all the kids and the dogs camping, and then we hunt on it as well. So it's a busy week, uh, but I will be out and about and around. Feel free to come by, say hi. We can chit-chat and, uh, you know, talk dogs. So I just appreciate everybody and uh, hope to see everybody there.
1: Cool, cool. Yeah, it's uh, are you gonna have anything from your garden at the at the Autumn Oaks?
0: Yeah, uh, Nikki's world famous jalapeno poppers and stuffed peppers will be there, so feel free to swing by the camper. Uh, dude, she, she throws down there's there, there's people there. You're not gonna grow that things. much stuff out of the four by four garden, Chris. I'm You're gonna go to you, the man, farm market wonderful. on the way to Richmond. You're gonna go it's to the farm plentiful. market on the way to Richmond. The, yep. the only thing that I am lacking this year, and it's a shame, is the corn. The corn sweet is corn. not thriving. Sweet corn is uh, not thriving. We got like six stalks.
1: Yes, six uh, six stalks of sweet actually, corn.
0: Actually, I'm gonna send you a picture after this. It might be six.
3: <laughs> 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 oh, it's oh, great, man! That's I tried great. to plant tried- a bunch
0: of it, and it just didn't come up.
3: Yeah. Well, at least yours, I mean, mine got my hopes up. I tried to do corn once, and I bit into it, and it was like eating a log of wood. It was horrible. <laughs> You're trying to grow it in sand. I know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's why the, well, I'm not going to get into that. Um, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. All right. So check out Houndsman XP Podcast. We've got tumblers there from Midwest Laser Works. Awesome stuff. We've got hats. We've got shirts. S- support us on the Fair Chase deal, guys. I mean, that is 100% American Houndsman type stuff. um uh, That is going to be the and battle wear, wear it
0: to the vet's office. Yeah, wear yeah. your Fair Chase shirt to the vet's office. You'll get. They not Fair Chase. I promise. Really? That's yeah. I had a whole. I had a
1: whole deal with it yesterday. We're so gonna have to capture that on another conversation, but. It's a. It is definitely a conversation starter, but we've got all kinds of stuff. We're going to be dropping new stuff there. Check us out, like Bryce said at AutoMokes, and um we'll see you next month at AutoMokes for sure. See everybody there. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. I wish.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey. Also, this podcast will drop before we're going to be at the. Uh, Horses, Hounds, and Mule there you go, in Kirtland, New Mexico. So if you're there, make sure you look us up too. So um, I think this is going to be an awesome event. It's going to be an event for the Western Houndsman guys, the Southwest Houndsman guys for sure. It's going to be a who's who. I already know several people that are going to be there, and you should be there. I mean, Calvin Redhouse, the Whitaker brothers, I don't know if Calvin's going to make it, but I know that he's been there in the past. Uh, Doug Boykin's going to be there. Uh, I'm not gonna name drop anymore, but there's gonna be some legendary houndsmen at that event that and uh be a good opportunity. It's like a rendezvous for the southwestern houndsmen.
3: So check out check out that event. And two right. random hair coursers will be there too. Boom. Yeah,
1: talking about how great <laughs> jackrabbits are. That'd be awesome! Yeah. I can't I'm going all the way to don't to you me. forget it. That's right. That's right. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the house of NXP podcast in this point blank. This is fair chase.